Hey, it's uh, lovely to be here. Thank you so much um, for inviting me. Got to let you know. Uh, good to see you, Nathan. Thanks. Um, I just got to let you know, though, I feel a bit of a cold, uh, so, uh, but I, I have had five coffees, so I am medicated, so it's fine. <laughs> so if something goes wrong, uh, the cold may get on top of me. Hey, um, I thought tonight, um, if it's all right, and uh, forgive me, those from Better World, because they, they've heard me talk about this already today, so apologies to Better World ones over there. I thought I'd talk about um, Pentecost. Who's heard of Pentecost? Okay, just checking. Okay, so Pentecost is uh, today, uh, right around the world, churches right around the world are celebrating Pentecost, which is basically the birth of the church. It's when the church starts, okay? So Pentecost is the start of the church. So I thought I'd talk about it uh, tonight, and I'm going to go to the Bible. Let me find my Bible. Okay, we're going to start. uh, We're going to go back, though, and give a bit of background so there's two passages that we talk about. We talk about the Genesis 11 passage, and then we talk about um, Acts chapter 2. So I'm going to start in Genesis 11, and then you'll see why I'm going there. All right, here we go. Genesis 11, verse 1. The Tower of Babel. <laughs> now the whole world had one language and a common speech. As people moved eastward, they found a plain in Shinar and settled there. They said to each other, come, let's make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. Then they said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves. Otherwise, we will be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. The Lord said, if as one people speaking the same language they had begun to do this, then nothing they plan to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there over all the earth and they stopped building the city. That is why it was called Babel. Okay, got that? Next passage is Acts 2 where we pick up Pentecost. So this is Acts 2. You'll probably know this passage, and I'm going to uh, skip over some of the more unpronounceable uh, words. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Here we go, all in one place. Perfect. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard the sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own native language? Parthians, Medes, Aucklanders, (laughs) Melbourneites, uh, Fiji, uh, South Africa. Uh, Who else wants to put something in there? What else we got? Wellingtonians. Wellingtonians. We can go there. Who else we got? South. <laughs> Hands up, South and just make it or don't make it? No, don't make it. So, okay. no. Oh, just joking. South and does, okay. We'll put them in. What's that? Norfolk Island? Norfolk Island, they make it? 
Okay, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they ask one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd, Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what No, this was what spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, and your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and the signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that was Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the church. Isn't that cool? The Holy Spirit came up to the church. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to preach for a while, and then we're going to have some worship. And during the worship, um, we're going to pray for the Holy Spirit to come and fresh on us tonight. Amen. That's cool, eh? Why not? Why not be a better day than Pentecost to do that? But first of all, I want to give a little bit of um, explanation around Pentecost, because sometimes you go to churches and people just go, okay, let's going to pray for the Holy Spirit like they did at Pentecost. And I think we kind of miss some of the point. So I just want to give you a bit of background about some of the point of, of why Pentecost and what does it mean. Okay, so... Um, this morning, I was, I was lucky enough to be at St. Tom's in Newtown, and they have a um, they have a um, breakfast at 9.30 in the morning before their church, and I don't know if you've been to it, it's probably a bit like the free store, but it is phenomenal breakfast. You get there at 9.30, and there's just tables laid out, and there's like 60 kind of fellas from the neighbourhood um, who just who are turning up, probably a bit like the free store, turning up, um, and then there's just, there's, there's pancakes with bacon and banana and there's baked beans and sausages and then there's there's um, cereal and all the tables are laid really beautifully and there's just there's just a lot of people some helping some eating all everywhere and then there's then there's this background movement uh, music of a, a 70s and 80s soundtrack which i particularly like and um, and then there's a dance party breaks out about 9 30 in the morning this dance party breaks out again it's like you know, should they be drinking that early in the morning? I do not know. <laughs> but it's just this amazing thing, and it, you know, and it's just this mixed room that sh- that on one level is never, it should never be together, but on another level, it's so right that it's together. You know what I mean? And, and you just kind of know, you get there, and you think, man, this is so right on every level. This is how the world should be. You know what I mean? And I think you know the experience. Probably when you get the experience when you go to the free store or whatever, you think this is how the world should be. The world should be people sharing from all sorts of walks of life, just coming together, sharing kai, enjoying each other's company. This is what the world was meant to be. Mm-hmm. And, and there's something in us that intuitively knows that. And I want to show, go to the scripture and go to Genesis 1 and show you where that appears in the scripture. So in Genesis 1, why you understand that and why that appears to you, is, um, why that appears good to you is because in Genesis 1, when God creates the heavens and the earth and he creates everything in it, then he says this to, to man and woman. He says this. God blessed them. Let's talk to us. God blessed us and said to us, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. And they use the word subdue it. Probably a better word is um, 
uh, be kaitiakis or be, uh, be guardians or stewards of the earth. Okay, and so then, so God says, God blesses us, and but then He says, be fruitful, increase in number, and fill the earth, and then be kaitiakis of the earth. And that's why God says to us to go out to the whole earth in order to go out there and to see the kingdom of God come on earth. And that's why intuitively in everybody, we kind of know what goodness is. So no matter who you are, Christian or non-Christian, you kind of know what goodness is. You have an intuitive sense because that's what it means to be made in God's image. To be made in God's image is you know what goodness is to come. You know what it looks like. And so on Pentecost, you have this thing where you have all these, they have these tongues appear where everybody's listening to each other's languages and can kind of understand. But that's a direct reference to the Babel thing. Now what happened in Babel is the people of the earth, why did God get annoyed at Babel? Well, it's because the people of the earth chose to gather into one place where God had said, spread out and bless the earth. I have blessed you, so spread out and bring that blessing to the earth. And in Babel, they said, no, no, let's just come together instead. And so that's where in the Tower of Babel, God scattered them. Because, why? Because the blessing that God will give you tonight, yes, you're to be blessed, but you're blessed to bring that blessing to the whole earth. And so the Tower of Babel was direct um, selfishness to not go to the whole earth with that blessing, but instead to stay in one place. So as we pray for you tonight, and you are blessed by God and filled with his Holy Spirit, please, it is not for your benefit to stay with you. It's for you to take it to every single suburb in Wellington and every single street in Wellington and every place of study and every workplace. That's why God gives you the Spirit, to bless you to go out. That's why when it comes to Jerusalem, they're gathering on Pentecost. There's three Jewish festivals. There's um, Tabernacle, there's Passover, and after Passover, 50 days after Passover, it's called Pentecost, 50 days after Passover. And that's where people, Jews from all around the known world, came to Jerusalem for the festival. So people from all around the known world came there for a festival, and that's where this passage happens. So God fills them with the Holy Spirit, speaks to them with the Holy Spirit. Why? So they can stay in Jerusalem and be blessed? No, so that they get scattered straight away back out across the whole world. So we've got this crazy thing about the Holy Spirit, where we keep treating the Holy Spirit like we get blessed and we just stay in the room and keep praying for each other. And how many times can we pray for each other? It wasn't meant for this room, it was meant to be scattered. Got that? The Holy Spirit was meant to bless you so it could be scattered. And that's why in Pentecost all these tongues came and these languages came across the whole of the known world so it could be scattered. If you don't kind of get that, what's important is not long after that, um, when Stephen was martyred, part of the consequence of Stephen being martyred is that the first apostles and disciples of Jesus were then spread out. They were chucked out of Jerusalem. They had to get out and scatter. This is the kind of problem that we have as Christians is we can't help but want to stay together the whole time. Amen. And we don't understand that we're meant to be the salt and the yeast and get out. 
And that's partly why, again, I'm not doing a bagging session here, but that's where kind of like, like you know, fundamentally, I don't, I don't kind of believe in mega churches. I believe in neighborhood churches because we're meant to scatter to every neighborhood. You know, we're meant to be Christians in every single neighborhood, being that soul and life where the Holy Spirit is present to minister to people in that neighborhood. And that's the nature of Pentecost. The nature of Pentecost is the Holy Spirit comes upon us so we can scatter and bless the people around us. But it's more than that. There's this image. The other image which is used at Pentecost is this idea that the fire comes down. Tongues of fire comes down on people. Now, real important, the tongues of fire doesn't destroy anybody. Nobody gets burnt up. Okay? There's a couple of pictures in Scripture where people do get burnt up by fire. But it's really important. What is this referring to? Why is the tongues of fire coming down? Well, because there are parts in Scripture where we see clearly fire coming from heaven. Let me take you through a few. There's three in Exodus that I can remember. One is a burning bush. So God speaks to Moses through the burning bush. Remember that one? Second um, was where the people have come out of Egypt. They're wandering around, um, they're wandering around the wilderness. And then um, God gives Moses on Mount Sinai the Ten Commandments. It says the whole of Mount Sinai was covered with flames and burning up. Remember that one? And then they were going around the wilderness and um, on, the, on the Ten Commandments, on the, what they call the tabernacle, there, at night there was a pillar of fire on the tabernacle. Remember that? So again, there was fire coming down. And then in Ezekiel, the chapter 1 of Ezekiel, talks about God's temple and God being ablaze in fire. So fire is this image of God relating to humanity. Where God comes down and relates to humanity. And it's this beautiful picture of where divinity and humanity meets is where the fire meets. Divinity and humanity. And it's this idea that when the fire of God rests on you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're like that intermediate between heaven and earth, and you're in the middle. The Holy Spirit rests on you. You are the link between heaven and earth. If like, again, like you're the kaitiaki, or the better word I would use is, you are the ambassador. You are the ambassador between heaven and earth. And even better, um, it talks about this idea that you become the temple of God, and together we become the temple of God. Or, another language, you become the embassy of God. So you're the go-between between heaven and earth. We pray the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven, and you, filled with the Holy Spirit, are the meeting point between the divine and the human, and you're in that middle point. That's what you are, filled with the Holy Spirit. You are the connecting point between the divine and the human. You are the embassy of God. You are the ambassador of God. You are the one who links the two together. That is what Pentecost is about. Pentecost is the moment where, where heaven comes to earth. And it comes to earth not its entirety yet. We know in Revelation 21, in the end of times, heaven's going to come in its entirety to earth. But you are a foretaste of that. So when we pray for you to receive the Holy Spirit, you become a foretaste, you become an embassy, you become an outpost scattered around Wellington of the outpost of heaven coming on earth. And isn't that powerful? So in every workplace, in every study place, in every suburb, you become an outpost, you become an embassy of the, of the kingdom of God coming in that place. That's what Pentecost is about. It's not just about you being blessed. So much more than that. 
so much more. And there's four critical things that we see at Pentecost. When we see the Holy Spirit come, there's four things the Holy Spirit causes in God's people. Um, first one, when you notice the disciples to start with, disciples, um, when they were with Jesus, and remember Jesus went to the cross, one thing we know about the disciples is they were cowards. They were scared. You know, even after Jesus ascended, they're just gathered in the upper room. They're not doing anything particularly bold. They're cowering in an upper room, and then suddenly this fire falls on them. And then you've got Peter, who's bold enough to stand up in front of 3,000 people and preach a message. Where did that Peter come from? Well, that was the power, that was the Holy Spirit fire. Turns timid cowards into bold, courageous people. Now, I don't know about you, but I see myself in that. I don't know about you, but how many of us live in anxiety and fear and timidity and we cower and we keep our heads down? That's me. That's me. But I tell you what, when God's Holy Spirit comes into our lives, we find a courage and a boldness and we say, do not be afraid because God is with me. God's Holy Spirit is with me. So the first thing about the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit brings courage and boldness into our lives. And we need that. We need that a lot at this point in history. Second thing the Holy Spirit brings. Is it says people had visions and pictures. Hey, what's really interesting here, I don't know if you pick this up, but a real quick, quick little thing. It says old men, young people, men and women, basically everybody gets the Holy Spirit. You know, there's not a category who doesn't get the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is for everybody. So if you're sitting there thinking, yeah, no, the Holy Spirit's not for me because I'm not, I'm not this or that, I'm not this. No, no, everybody gets the Holy Spirit. It's available to everybody. And so what happens when you get the Holy Spirit is you get guidance. You get, I call it um, discernment. So when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you have pictures and visions and you know what to do. So many of us live our lives where we make decisions, but when we have the Holy Spirit, instead we discern our way of life so much better. So instead I listen to God through the Holy Spirit that dwells in me, and I then have some idea about what to do and when to do it. And I tell you what, living a discerned life is so much better than living a life just making decisions. So the second thing the Holy Spirit gives is it gives discernment and guidance in our lives. The third one, and I'm going to major on this one because I think it's a great one. The third thing that the Holy Spirit gives is the Holy Spirit gives power. Now, I want to talk in two dimensions on this one. First dimension, I want to clear this one up. Um, so many people I meet, um, when I talk to them, they just say, oh, you don't understand I'm trapped. I just can't do anything. I've got no choices. You know, I'm trapped in addiction or I'm trapped in mental health. I'm trapped in physical health. I'm trapped in a dysfunctional relationship. I'm trapped in financial problems. And I can't do anything. I've got no options. I've got no choices. I want to say, if you feel trapped, I've got to tell you this. Um, it, is, it is by very nature a violation of who you were created to be. Because when God created the universe... One of the things, when God created the universe, one of the great gifts he gave you was free will. God self-limited himself to give you free will and agency. So if you have lost 
that. You have lost one of the greatest gifts that God has offered you, which is free will and agency. And when you feel like you're trapped and I just can't do anything else and you don't understand, I've just got no options, I need to tell you, when God sends his Holy Spirit, the power of the resurrected Jesus comes available to us all. So there is always an alternative when God's Holy Spirit is present. Now I'm not saying God is a sugar daddy who's going to answer all your questions, but what I'm saying is there is always an option when God's Holy Spirit falls upon us. There is always an option. And by the very nature of saying, I have no options, I am a victim, you deny the very nature of the created order that God gave by giving you free choice. Agency. It is the gift of God. And so often I meet people who say, I've got no choice, just got to do this. I want to tell you, no, the power of the Holy Spirit upon you gives you agency and choice. Your past does not need to determine your future. The resurrection means all things are possible. And so for many of us, wherever you find yourself trapped, and not just you again, the Holy Spirit comes on you so the power can go to your neighbourhoods and so your neighbours who are trapped can find freedom. It's a great thing. You've got the power within you when God comes on you for your neighbours no longer need to be trapped. And so the power of God is available to us in the Holy Spirit. But I want to talk another part about power. Um, I was talking to this guy the other day, and some of you may relate to this. I was this guy the other day, and he said, oh, man, it's just been bad. I've just, um, basically, I've had three cars in the last few months, and every single one of them's blowing up, and had so many accidents, and just carnage, and then the whole family's down with a gastro bug. I've been down with gastro bugs for three weeks, and then every time money comes into the account, there's an extra expense that goes out of the account. I just had this list, I said, yeah, well, that's because you're under spiritual oppression. You are being attacked by the works of the enemy who will seek to destroy your family's life. He goes, oh, yeah. And when you put it all together, oh, yeah, that's a bit of a bad run, isn't it? I go, it's not a bad run. That's not a bad run. That's spiritual oppression. And I said, and the good news is, when we know it's spiritual oppression, that's great, because we just claim the name of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, and we break it. That's the great thing. When you recognize it's spiritual oppression, you then get over it in Jesus' name and the power of God releases you. Mm. Funny, people go, oh, yeah, I'm under spiritual oppression. Oh, whoa, I'm under spiritual oppression. Whoa, it's bad. I go, no, no, no. Once we know it, we get over top of it. In the name of Jesus, we say, break that spiritual oppression in Jesus' name. You know what I mean? People are like, oh, oh gosh, Scotty's told me I'm under spiritual oppression. Oh, no, I'm not this rest of my life. Oh, well, it's me. No, 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 it's good news. Because once you recognise it, the power of God can come and break it over your life. You know what I mean? And I don't know about you fellows, but so many people I know live under spiritual oppression. They just live under craziness. And can't tell you, you do not need to do it. And more than that, your neighbours do not need to do it. And your colleagues don't. I mean, I know people who constantly are basically cursed. I mean, it's not natural. It's cursed. And in the name of Jesus... God, there is liberation. And so when we pray in a moment, and pray and invoke the Holy Spirit over you fellas and say, come Holy Spirit, again, the power of God is available for you to break the oppression, and more than that, for you to be scattered to your neighbourhoods to break that oppression. Wow. Final thing is, so I've talked about when the Spirit comes, 
Um, the Spirit comes and gives you courage and boldness, gives you guidance, gives you power. And the last thing, when the Spirit of God comes, it makes the very tools that were available to Jesus available to you. So the tools of healing become available to you. The tools of, of seeing pictures and visions become available to you. The tools of being able to discern where the enemy is working, discern spirits become available to you. So all the tools, when we look through Jesus' ministry, we say, how the hell did he do that? How did he do that thing? How did he do that thing? How did he do that thing? How did he cast out that demon? Every tool that Jesus had becomes available to you in Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So all the tools, all the resources of the kingdom are yours. And you just got to practice them. And so suddenly you kind of get the opportunity to have all those wonderful tools to play with. Now again, you've got to practice them, and you, you know, some come in greater measure than other measures, but it says that the spirit, the gifts of the spirit are available to you and me. And it's nothing I enjoy more than casting out a demon. It's all good. Okay? And I tell you what, um, sometimes when I pray for people and something happens, that's amazing, you know? And sometimes when I pray for people and I get a little picture or a word that helps them, I find that amazing. Life doesn't have to be boring. And I don't have to go to Netflix. I can just go to the Holy Spirit. Okay? So in a moment, we're going uh, to just have some worship. We're going to pray for people. But that Holy Spirit that's been available to the church for 2,000 years is available for fresh for us tonight. And we want to pray for each other and pray that we will, again, re receive a fresh anointing of that Holy Spirit. Not for your sake. Yes, you can be blessed, but so you can be scattered to be that ambassador, that embassy between heaven and earth so that you can have boldness, so you can have guidance, so you can have the power of God available to you, and so you can have every tool and resource that was available to Jesus available to you as well. That's what we want to do. Amen? Amen. So we need a worship band up here doing some music. Um, I'm going to pass it to Scotty in a minute. I'm going to pray first for us. And then um, Scotty tells me that we sort of go over there to the cross and then we just call down the fire on people. Is that right? That's the one? Okay, so we're going to worship. We're going to call down those who want the Holy Spirit, a greater measure of the Holy Spirit. You're going to go over there. We're just going to start praying. You're going to pray. You're going to pray for each other. And remember, whatever you receive, you've got to scatter with it. You've got to scatter with it. You've got to scatter with it as ambassadors, as as an embassy of the kingdom coming in your context. All right, let me pray. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you came upon the church to guide and to revive us. We thank you that you did not leave us alone. So we pray, Holy Spirit, we welcome you in a greater measure tonight. We welcome you upon our lives. We pray, come Holy Spirit, bless us in Jesus' name. Bless us in Jesus' name so we can be a blessing to others. So we pray even now, minister to us. And we pray that the power of God again will be released upon us as you always release it upon your church. We pray that in Jesus' name. That we may not live under the principalities and powers, but we may live over them empowered by Jesus, filled by your Holy Spirit to take on that ambassadorship that you have asked us. So we pray even now, Lord. Lord, just invite us again to receive your Holy Spirit. We ask in your name. Amen.